of Hashem, we are learning by the Kama Dav Gimel. We left off on Dav Gimel Amadalaf, eight lines from the top of the Amid. We learned the Din and the Mishnah that if two people walk into Beisdin, they're both holding on to a talus. Each one is claiming that they found it. Each one is claiming that it's theirs. The Mishnah says that each one has to swear that not less of it is theirs. Each one makes that oath and V'yachloiku, Beisdin divides the talus between them. The Gemara at the end quoted both a Mishnah and Mesech Shavuos. The din of Echenveni al Then we quoted the Mishnah in Bavakam of Sumchas. And we were differentiating, explaining why is the din here different than there. So just quickly to review the last din, the din of Sumchas was a case where there was a doubt whether my ox caused that person's cow to abort a fetus. If my ox was the cause, I have to pay for the damage. If, I, my, if that cow aborted the fetus before my ox gored it, then I'm off the hook completely. Sumcha says that you divide half of the damage. I, the owner of the ox, has to pay half of what the value would have been had we known that my ox was the cause for, the, for, the, for that fetus to be aborted. Sumcha says, Yachleka, without an oath, because that's a very unusual case. Whether they will have to swear or whether they won't have to swear, that won't prevent people trying to be thieves. It's an unusual scenario. Our Mishnah is speaking about two people harding onto an item. So Rabbi Yechanan explained that if people will get away by getting half of whatever is in their possession, by claiming that it's theirs, that can cause terrible anarchy. People are going to push it go into thievery. So to prevent people from making such claims and from being blatant thieves, the Chachamim said that even in cases where you say Yachloiku, cases that could be common, you got to first take an oath. Now, continues the Gemara, Leimog, and eight lines from the top of Gimel, that our Mishnah is not like Rabbi Yaisi. Oh, so we learned a, a Mishnah again in Shvuas, that was Bananas, we learned Bavakama, the Sumchas, and now we're going to learn Rabbi Yaisi, that we'll learn in Bavamitzi and Daflamet Zayin. What's the case of Rabbi Yaisi? Let's speak it out by heart. It's Kabbalah cases. You have a person that's a trustworthy person. He's a Shoimer. Two people ask the same Shoimer. Shoimer will call Reuven. Person number one tells Reuven, here, I have $100. Watch it for me. Okay? Shimon goes over to the same Reuven. Number two goes over to the same Reuven. And he tells him, I have $200. Watch it for me. Reuven has under his custodianship $300, 100 from one, 200 from the other. Doesn't remember which one belongs to which one. Both of these people, each one is claiming, I'm the one that gave you $200. Now what do you do? So here we have a machleke, Tanakam and Now, he has $300. Think about it. Regarding 200 of the 300, there's no debate over here. Everyone is in consent. 100 belongs to one. 100 belongs to the other. What are they fighting about? The third 100. And as we spoke on last year, here no one is a muhzak. No one is a muhzak here. So now your question will be, sometimes we say call the alam gvar. Here the rule is, yei munach and again, that's the Machlekes, that's where Rashi says, Yehimunach, under the possession of the custodian. On which Taisvis and Bavakama and Afkuf Gimel disagrees. And says it's given to Beisdin, and Beisdin holds on to it until Aliyah Navi will come. Comes along Rabbi Yaisi, let's read inside the words, and Rabbi Yaisi says, 
Im Kain, ma hifsid Ramoi. How, what will the Ramoi, what will the deceiver lose by lying? We have to penalize the deceiver. How do we penalize the deceiver? You know what Rabbi Yesi says? The whole $300, now that's, that's smart, if it works. But that's a smart approach. So this is done to discourage a Ramoi. According to the Chachamim, the Ramoi is not losing anything. He got away by hurting someone else. He got back his $100, and his friend has $100 less. We'll get to know. Oh, very good. So one second. So the question here is, the Elo, Rabbi Yossi says, So what's the question? If our Mishnah would have been Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi would have said here the same thing. That the whole thing, So again, the Gemara counters the same logic that we had on that base on the base. Hold on, you must be misunderstanding our Mishnah. Because if you are, are understanding our Mishnah correctly, the problem will be that not only are we not like Rabbi Yaisi, we're not even like the Rabbanon. Why not? Because even the Amin Rabbanon, Hashar the Chachamim say like Rabbi Yaisi that the money upon which there is a dispute, he also says, What is this dispute in our Mishnah? On the whole Talus. This Talus should be like the third hundred mana, like the third hundred. The last three, the hundred of the three hundred dollars. Hanami kishar dame. This fake he. Gavaldike question. The ownership of the whole talus is in doubt. So, and therefore, what's the point? The point is that Mestama, we're not even understanding our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, that's not true. Haimai, that's, that's not a way of thinking. If the author is the Rabbanon, it works. Why does it work? Because Hasam devadai haimana dechad minayu. Like we spoke at the end of yesterday's share. Previous share. Very good. There, one of them is lying. The only question is, who was the one that gave the Ru'uvin? Was it number one? Was it number two? But uh, therefore, the Chachamim say, since dividing it is not just, therefore he says, But Hachi again, that since the it's possible that it belongs to both of them, it's possible that they picked it up at the same time, it's possible that the seller intended to sell it to both of them. So that's why Yitaka have to make an oath, like Rabbi Yechenen says, not to, not to, to disencourage anarchy, to prevent, anar to prevent people from stam governing. But the concept of Yachloiku works. Palgi Bishvua. But Elo, we're going back to the point. Now look at the logic. That if over there, the each one for sure owns a mana. The first hundred. Nevertheless, in order to thwart the deceiver. And even though it's going to deprive the deceiver of what's his, we know one is a deceiver. And we know, Rabbi Yaisi knows that by saying that all of 300, Yehimunach, says the deceiver won't get what's rightfully his. Here it's possible. Here, more, here that it's possible that when you are thwarting the deceiver, you won't even be withholding something that's his. It could be one guy picked it up. It only belongs to one. It doesn't belong to the other one. So the Ramoi, 
who is the liar, when you say Yehei Munach, he's not, you're, not, you're not depriving him of what's his. Less of an avla is happening. Then for sure you should say it. Says the Gemara, Look at this logic. That's the key. Over there, one for sure is a deceiver. So, you, so therefore, Yehimunach. Because the intent, as we'll see in a moment, you're thwarting the deceiver. You don't want the deceiver to benefit. Who's the deceiver? We don't know, but we have a deceiver. Over here, Here we don't know whether there's a deceiver. Could be they both picked it up together. So saying Yehimunach is not fear when you don't even know there's a Ramoy. One more time. No, Rabbi Yaisi says that you all the 300 goals, Yehei Munach, you're trying to thwart the deceiver, even though you know that you're taking away what's rightfully his. That was the question. But there you know there's a deceiver. So there's a, there's a logic, Rabbi Yaisi says, to thwart the deceiver. Here, how do you know there's a deceiver? Yehei Munach is a avla because maybe there's no deceiver here. Adarabe, maybe they both picked it up together. And, and Yachleiku is just. We're not speaking even about the Shvua. That was yesterday, last year. Here we're focusing on Yachleiku versus Yehimunach. Why? When do we say Yehimunach? When do you say Yachleiku? Traisvis, we spoke out, only addresses called the Alam Gvar. For that he says, called Alam Gvar when there's no Muchzakim. When it comes to Yehei Munach, it's not about whether you're Muchzak or not. This is the concept of Yehei Munach. Now, Inami, another answer, Hasam over the air, Kanis The reason why we are penalizing the Ramai, it's not just to penalize him. We want to motivate him to admit. That's the upside. It's worth it to deprive people from what they really have because you might end up doing real justice. That's the upside. Hachi over here, my pseido islay deloidi. He's not motivated to admit. Over there, 100 belongs to one, 100 belongs to the other. Here, the one who's lying has nothing. I, got, I found it before you, before the other person. That person is trying to steal from me. If I won't get it and he, don't, he won't get it, there's no upside for him. What will help him? So the Gemara counters by saying that is not a good differentiation between our Mishnah and later Daflamet Zayin Abiyosi because that only works in the case of Metziah. But in the case of Mekachu Memkar, that logic doesn't work and Rashi says very importantly because if we would to motivate the Ramai to admit if there's a way to bring pain on him there would have been a way to do it by Mekachu Memkar which would have been not that the seller should give back the money to whoever is not getting the talus. That Beisden should take the article and they should take the money. And like this, the Ramoi, what's the Ramoi? That Reuven was the one that really bought it. Shimon is the Ramoi. If Beisden would say everything is then Shimon would at least want his money back. So here we wouldn't have the concept of it's worth it to penalize in order to get him to admit. So the Gemara backtracks and the Gemara says, the real reason why here you have Yachloiko and not Yehei Munach is Kiddush Anin Neikara is like we answered at first, which is 
Because when we don't know for sure that there is a Ramai, you can't say, take everything away from everyone, Yehi Munach. It's not right. Maybe there's no Ramai. Very good. Now, asks the Gemara, one second. Now let us compare the Mishnah and the Lamed Zayin, this Rabbi Yossi and the Rabbanon, versus the Mishnah we spoke out on last year from Masech Tashvois, by the Chenvani Alpinkasoi. Bein le Rabbanon, Bein le Rabbi Yossi, over there by the Chenvani Alpinkasoi. What did we learn over there? Ze Nishba Venoitel, Ze Nishba Venoitel. And according to Benanas, Nach Besser, you don't even have to swear, but you have a concept of Yachleiku, Maishna Duloyamanin, and Nafkilumamanin, Babalabais. Same thing. Why don't we apply the concept of Why over there, the Balabas is mamish double losing. Understand, he has to pay. Let me quickly review the case. So you have a Balabas, an employer, who told a storekeeper to pay his workers. They were like the bankers. And to write it in the ledger, all storekeepers, even today here in the neighborhood, they have a notebook and they write which family owes them how much money. So write that I owe you money. Now what happened is, is that the storekeeper came to collect from the Balabas. He says, I paid them, pay me back. The workers came to their employer and says, they now they got paid. So both the Chachamim and the Nanas, they both say, the, the Balabas has to pay twice. With an oath, without an oath. But why didn't you say, Yehi Munach? If the criterion is whenever there's a Ramoi, to motivate the Ramoi, you, you take the money away why didn't you say it over here you, you should, you, the Balabas should take one payment and he gives it to no one so why should he pay to the Chenvani and then pay to the workers let the employer pay to Beisden and tell Beisden because there's two, one of them either the Chenvani or the workers one of them are lying okay says the Gemara Omri they answered Let's, let's, let's read it inside. The storekeeper tells the Balabas, Hold on. I did what you told me to do. What geshef do I have with your workers? And even, he says further, Even if they will swear that they never got paid for me, I don't trust them. I never said I will trust them. Let me handle it. At hemante. You believe the workers. You know why you believe the workers? Because when you asked me to pay the workers, you never asked for a receipt. You never said, at least pay the workers in front of witnesses. You believe the workers. Deal with the workers. You never told me that Bisadi Havli only pay them in front of Adam. Or like we said, only give a receipt. The workers also, Amri, can tell the Balabas, can tell the employer, I worked for you. And you owe me the salary. What geshaft do I have with the storekeeper? And even if he swears, I never believed him. I never said I will believe him. They both swear and take it. Or according to Bananas, they take without swearing. If you think about it, the inner, one of the inner concepts is like this. That in the case of Rabbi Yossi, in the case of Daflamat Zion, one person, what's the emes? One person gave a hundred. One person gave 200. That is the MS of what happened. What is the MS over here? He undertook an obligation to the Chanvani. He undertook an obligation. He undertook an obligation to the workers. It means from the beginning, he was mischaiv himself to pay workers. And then he was mischaiv himself 
to pay the chamani when the chamani pays them. These two people have nothing to do with each other. So therefore he has to, at the end, he has to keep his initial obligation to both. Over here, the emiss is, this guy over here, he got from one group 100, he got from another group 200. You understand? He's a schaivus to them. One of them are liars. So here it makes more sense to say, Always ask for a receipt. Okay, let's go right here. So now we're starting a new sugya. And begins the Gemara, Tani Rabbi Chia. It's time to know that normally when the Gemara says Tani Rabbi Chia, it means Rabbi Chia taught a b'raisa. But as we'll see in the words in Rashi, we'll read it inside, that Rabbi Chia was saying his own din. It's almost it says, Omar Rabbi Chia. And look at this case. Mana li If one person tells the other, Mana li biyatcha. My mana is in your hand. Which means, you owe me a hundred. Vahala Omar, and that person says, I owe you nothing. Now what are the rules? Whenever you have two litigants, you have the claimant and the defendant. The defendant denies completely what the claim is against him. No oath is needed. We'll learn later that even if I fully deny, I have to take a rabbinic oath to substantiate that I owe nothing. But midoyrei saw a kaifer hakel is off the hook. Also, if not the world will go crazy. I'll go around, you owe me money, you owe me money, you owe me money. But if a person tells the other, you owe me a hundred, and the defendant admits partially, oh, I don't know, you owe me fifty, that is the classical case of maidim amitzas, from which we learned from a pasik that we had a lot of Bavakama and parshas mishpatim, and peirik of beis, and pasik ches, there we're actually speaking about the Toy and Tanas Ganav. Doesn't matter what that means now. But you have the words in the Torah, Ki Huzeh, from which we learned that when does a person have to take an oath when they partially admit and partially deny the claim. So Rabchi is speaking about a case where the defendant fully denied. I owe you nothing. Ah, however, But witnesses now come and say you owe 50. So I denied everything. But witnesses say I owe 50, says that goes without saying. But this becomes a Ashar, And he has to swear that he does not own the other 50. Why? For his own admission. Which we know, brings upon him an obligation to swear. That should not be greater, more powerful, from witnesses obligate him to pay part. And how, why? I'll explain it to you. I will demonstrate that I don't want Hoidah Spiv to be greater than Adam from a Kavuchaymer that we'll speak out in a moment. Notice he has a Kavuchaymer that he uses to say that since Hoidah Spiv is Mishayev one to swear, then for sure Adam, which is stronger, will for sure be Mishayev one to swear that he does not owe the rest. Then Rabchia added the words, Vitana Tuna. Vitana Tuna means, that's what I'm reading inside Rashi, Vitana Didon Sayata Lididi that the Tana of our Mishnah will prove that I am right. That's why people say that Tani Rabchia doesn't mean Itora Braisa. Because if not, Rashi would have written that this Tana substantiates the other Tana. 
So Rabchia is not quoting a Tana, Rabchia is quoting himself. So what's our Mishnah say? Shnaim Hechzametalis, and Zayim Eranim Etzosiyah, etc. A rule. Whenever we quote any statement from Tanakh, etc. is Vigoymer. Whenever we quote any statement not in Tanakh, etc. is Vichulei. And here also there's a difference between Chulei or Vichulei. The way the Rosh pronounces it. Chuli or Vichuli or Goimer Vigoymer. Whenever you quote a statement and your base comes primarily from words that are in the etc., then you say Vigoymer or Vichulei. Whenever what's written later is not that relevant, you write Stam Chulei or It's good to know that. So Vichulei. And we're quoting a Mishnah, it's not Vigoymer, it's Vichulei, and it's relative. It's relevant to know the whole Mishnah. Now says Rabchia Baha Hachet Kivan the Tafis. Look at his logic here. Since each one is grabbing onto the Talis, Anan Sahadi the Maid the Tafis Hai the Dehu. That the half that you are grabbing onto, that's the way we're going to word it, is yours. It's like Adam. Umay the Tafis Hai the Dehu. On the other half, you can argue each one is holding on to the whole thing. We'll get to that later. But this is the logic now. Each one is holding on to half. And nevertheless, what does the Mishnah say? Yeshava. Ah. In other words, even though witnesses are substantiating part of the claim, but they're not substantiating the other part of the claim, but for that I still have to swear that I get to keep what I'm not admitting. So that's Araya to his case. Says the Gemara, before we come back to this, Shalom, hold on. My Shaloit, hey, Odos, Pivgad, Elam, Odos, Edim, Ikalochimer. What is this? Let's read inside Rashi. Eight lines from the bottom of the Ahmed Rashi speaks out beautifully, like always. My Loit, hey, Odos, Pivgad, Elam, Odos, Edim, Mehecha, Tesel, on the Medak. Why would I even need to have a Kalvochimer? The Tesek Adatim, because without it, I would think that Hodos, Piv should be greater than Hodos, Edim. Of course, Edim are greater. In other words, without a Kalvachimer, Rabchi is admitting, if you think about it, one would not say that in our case, where you're Kaifer Hakel, and Adim say that you owe half. Without a Kalvachimer, I would say you don't have to take an oath. Why? Explains the Gemara. Because Shaloi Taimar, one would say, and therefore, don't say that it's only when a person partially admits, only there that Ram Yerachman Ashfua Alei does Taira impose an oath that he doesn't owe more than he's admitting. As the Rabbah teaches us, the Amar Rabbah Rabbah says, Why does the Taira say, that if someone partially admits, to the claim against him, he has to swear that he doesn't owe the other half. Why? Why? Gavaldik Rashi Toysvis and other Rishonim. So look inside this Rashi, second line on the bottom. Why don't we say, Think about it. What's the din? The classical case of Meshav Aveda is that I find a wallet and I return it, I do the mitzvah. And when I give it to the owner, the owner looks inside it and he says, Oh, Rabbi Ankel. There were $400, there's only three, what now? Why don't you say, Maitre Bemixas? What's the din? 
The guy who returns the lost article is off the hook completely. Because if he won't be off the hook completely, he'll never return anything. If you find something, and you do the right thing, and that party has the power to make you take an oath, you don't need it. You leave it on the street, which is a sin. So there's a rule that whenever you're Meshav Aveda, you're not chayven anything. So really the question is, think about it. If someone tells me, I owe them $100. If I have the power to be kaifer hakal and get off the hook, then what logic is there to say that if I'm going to be Moedim Amitzas, I have to swear. Why? Why? I should be like a Meshav Aveda. If I'm going to have to swear, so I'll be kaifer hakal. That's the way Rashi words this question. Toysvus over here says amigo. Similar, but amigo. But Migu means that since if I would have been a liar, I would have said a better lie, so they should believe what I'm saying. I could have been Kaifanako. I went ahead and I admitted that I owe you 50, but Migu, I could have been Kaifanako. Believe me that I don't owe you more than 50. So, Bechlal, why is there a Shvua? And the answer is, says an Abba, because Chazaka ain Adam Meis Panabipnebal You know, by an Aveda, I have the option not to pick it up. If you lent me money, I don't have the ability, normal people, to deny you in your face. Because people are not that bad that bifnei bal such a ha'azah, such a chutzpah, to fully deny that you did, that you, you helped me, people are unable to do so. Parenthetically, we spoke out in the last Masechta that the Chassam Seifen in his Shuvas writes that many of these chazakas that we have in the times of Chazal sadly are not relevant today because sometimes people could have such chutzpah. And he applies that halacha lamaisa, sometimes dinim will change. But at least here, and the way things should be, is ein adam meyiz panavipnei And therefore, says, This guy is not an honest person. He pushes, he's unable to deny it. Turning to that gimelamid base. So let's go on the reverse. Really, he wants to admit. You know why he didn't admit that he owes him the whole hundred? He's simply evading the creditor. In English, he's buying time. In other words, somebody thinks, When I'll get money, I'll pay him back. And as Rashi speaks out, you would think that we're going to go back and forth to this. If a guy is a ganif, if you don't trust him, when it comes to finances, why would you trust him when it comes to an oath? So, Rabbi is saying, the Havamina would have been, Taka, if you know someone is a Ganath, don't trust him for an oath. But when a person partially admits, he's not a Ganath at all. Fakert, had, had he been a real Ganath, he would have been made fun of and denied everything. He can't deny everything. So what is he doing? He wants to admit. He's not admitting fully because he doesn't have the money. So therefore, the Torah Sabar, He's thinking, let me give me a little bit of time. $50 I have, I'll admit. The money that I don't have, I'll say now that I don't owe. But I'll give later. So therefore, the Torah says, Rami impose an oath on him. So he'll admit. You know, when he admits, by the way, admit, that's the best thing. And say the MS if you don't have, say you don't have. But at least admit that you owe all the money. That is what one might have thought. And therefore, one mistakenly might have thought, if that would have been the reason, how can you apply it to the case of Rabkhiyah? You can't. Because in the case of Rabkhiyah, the guy was Kaifer Hakal. Aidim later come and say, you owe 50. But if I was Kaifer Hakal, now that Aidim came and said, I owe 50, what does that prove? 
God forbid that I'm a liar. So why, why would you trust me for an oath? That's why he needs the Kalvachayman. So Kamash Mulan, through the Kabul Khaimer, that will have to explain, and that will be the conclusion, that even people who, God forbid, are Ganavim, a false oath they're not going to take. And I know people can look at it in two ways. People can look at it, ah, you see those people, comes to, you know, bin Adam Lamakim, they don't take a false oath, a bunch of crooks. That's the not good way of looking at it. The good way of looking at it is that sadly, even people who are not yet perfect, perfect in one area, at least in another area, the better. And people were scared to take a false oath. People from ignorance are not scared to steal, whatever the psychology is. But the fact is that we accept such an existence. People can be gone of him, but they're not going to take a false oath. So sometimes when it comes to monetary disputes, the oath that one takes will be the additional proof needed normally to leave things the way it is. It's very rare that you swear and take money. Normally you swear, like in our case, and you'll keep the money. So he admits, he doesn't admit. Adam say, I owe 50. The guy is swearing he doesn't owe the other 50 and he won't have to pay the other 50. So now the question is, now that we understand why we need a Kalvachimer, now the question is, what is the Kalvachimer? My Kalvachimer? Right, that Gimel Amit Beis, a few lines from the top of the Amit. So look at this Kalvachimer. Uma piv, she'ein mechaivay mamay. One, through his own admittance, cannot obligate himself to pay money. Hopefully everyone is asking, what? Of course, if one admits he owes money, he's mechaiv to pay the money. The Gemara is going to clarify this Amish in two lines. But one's mouth, the words, she'ein mechaivay mamay, mechaivay shvua. In the case of if witnesses who obligate me to pay is Ainardin, in our case, that asks the Gemara, what are you talking about? There's a very important rule that when one admits that they owe money, it's tantamount to as if there are 100 witnesses. Now, by the way, 100 witnesses are not greater than two. It's just an expression to show how much we allow one's own testimony to be used against him in financial matters. And financial is important. Just to get off the topic for a moment, when it comes to non-financial matters, matters ain adam meisam atzmei rasha. So we live in the Goyesha world right now in Golis, and if a person admits that they committed the crime, their admittance is like the best proof. No, it's not. Unless it's money related. And then we'll learn another exception in Taisvis before we finish today's daf. Okay, so the Gemara clarified. So my mamein, what does mamein mean? Mamein means kanas. For example, if a person is a ganif, not a gazlan, a ganif, if a person secretly takes money from another, if witnesses testify that they did that, the rule is, not only do they have to give back what they took or the value of what they took, they have to give back double the value. Kefal. Kefal is with Tatsede. It's not a Labavach Kefal. And if the person admits on his own that he ganved the money that he stole, he has to give back. But that's the meaning that Piv is not strong enough to be Machaivim Knas. Ma Piv She'ei Machaivim Knas. Nevertheless, my Maidim makes us Machaivim Shvua. So, Eidim Shemachaivim Oisim Knas. That's the Kabbalah Chaimir of Rabchia. Eidim Shemachaivim Oisim Shvua. 
counters the Gemara, hold on. Malapiv, you know why? Maybe the mouth admitting mitzas brings upon oneself an obligation to swear is because there is a unique power to admitting to something that that's unique to one's admitting and not to witnesses. Where do we find that? Carbon. Interesting. Now really this is a machlekes tanoim as we'll learn in a few lines. But let's say, let's speak about a carbon chatos. Any violation for which doing that violation b'mezid carries the penalty of kadis, that violation done b'shoigig inadvertently will, will demand for the person who does tshuva to bring after he does tshuva a carbon chatos. So for example, if there was a piece of non-kosher food, not all non-kosher food has the penalty of kadis. Chazer is chazer treif, but if one eats it, they get flogged. Chalev, which are fats, from a kosher domesticated animal, even if it was slaughtered properly. If one eats that, he of kadis. Which is why here in America and in many other places, we don't eat the second half the bottom half of the animal because it's filled with chalev and not everyone knows how to make nikur properly even in Eretz Yisrael that they're, they're greater experts it costs a lot more money it's very common sadly that a person ate a piece of meat and later he was told that was chalev chayv chatos so the din is that if I admit that I ate chalev shkema chayv carbon. Look at this din. Not everyone knows this din. And Ashi brings over here the din that if two witnesses testify that Reuven ate chalev, if Reuven denies it, he does not bring a carbon. Obviously, if he admits to it, or if he tells, I never knew, but now that you're telling me, okay, then he brings a carbon. But if he's saying, I know what I ate was not chalev, it's amazing. He does not bring a carbon. So maybe the reason why piv moedem mixas chayiv shua is because there's a koyach to piv more than edim. Question responds the gemara holy kasha because it must be being that Rabbi brought a kavu chaymer Rabbi could have made svidalei the amar edim chayven oisek carbon bekavu chaymer Rabbi disagrees Rabbi holds that if two edim say Reuven you ate chaylov. Reuven is shouting until he's purple. I did not. He has to bring a carbon. Ditanan. Omer loy shnaim ochalto chaylev. Hu omer loy ochalti. Rav Meir says, Mechaev. The chachamim are poitrim. And Omer Rav Meir explaining his reason. Im heviyehu shnaim lodei misachamura. If two witnesses are believed. To testify that one did a sin. For which he's going to be killed in a basin. We believe Edim. Is lo yiviyu lidei carbon hakal. Of course we believe two Edim. So which Amrulai the Chachamim thought of Meir? No, Since a person would, would be able to say, I ate a chaylev, but I did it on purpose. The whole chi of carbon is only when you do something b'shoigig. He doesn't have to deny the Adam to be exempt. So since he has the power to say that I did it b'mezid, so we believe him when he says that he didn't do it. Asks Taisvis, we just spoke out that I does din. Hadas Hadas Baldin Kimei Adam Dami is only by finances. But how can a Jew say, I ate Khalaf Bemazid and he's gonna be believed? Ain't other Mesamatsmarasha. So if you go to the second to last place within the Ahmed, if you go up seven lines from the bottom of the Ahmed, 
At the end of Toysvus, the Yamaschal Ma Im Yirza, the Im Taimar Frak Toysvus, the Ho'ech Nemon Oymen Mezer Oyisi, Ho'ein Odom Mesim Atzmei Rasha, as we learn in the first Vedic of Sanhedrin, Gaba Ploini Rivi Oni Lirutsoini, the Yashlemet answers Toysvus, the Ein Nemon Lifsoil Atzmei. A person is not believed to say that he did something if the purpose of that testimony and the outcome of that testimony would be that he'll become somehow disqualified. When a person is speaking about something that they did in order to do tshuva, either I have to bring the carbon or I, I ate the maize, it's even worse. In the context of doing tshuva, and Fakert, I did tshuva, he's saying I'm amazed. He's regretting it, and he's saying, I didn't demaze it because if he didn't demaze it, which is what he's claiming, then bringing a carbon is the greatest sin. You can only bring a carbon if you, if you are obligated to bring a carbon. We're speaking about sin carbonis. So when a person is admitting to something because he wants something good to come from it, it's part of his tshuva, then he's believed. People confess to something that they did in the context of doing tshuva, then we believe what they're saying. Gavaldik, so back in the Gemara. So therefore, coming back, Rab Chia holds like Rab Meir, so he has a Skalbochimer. We're not happy yet. Frek the Gemara, why don't we say, Malapif, Shkemechaiva, Arsham? Right, we had many Dafim and Baba Kamal, the din of Asham Gazelis, which is, if a person steals, or if a person is holding on to someone else's money when it's not correct, and they swear that they don't owe that money, and then they admit that they swore falsely to have to give back that money, to have to give an additional fifth, and they have to bring a carbon asham gazelis. And we learned the whole time in Baba Kama that this obligation of adding a chaymish and a carbon is only when you were maidan. But if Adam come and say you stole, well, if it was a geneva, you have to pay kefal. If it was a gazela, you have to pay just a keren. So if like the Gemara, Malapivsh came and asham, the asham gazelis, and Adam, in this case, won't obligate you to bring the Hashem Gezelois. Answers the Gemara, that according to the Tana Rav Meir, that we just quoted, Hashem Hainu Karben, and Rav Meir will hold that when Adam say that you made a Shvua, denying money, the consequence will also be a Karben. So says the Gemara, what about the Chaymish? Elamal Apish Kemechai Bechaymish? So the Gemara says, Chaymish also. How many daf did we learn over there? Many dafim. And now we're learning a din, Tanar, Avmeir. We learned Mishnais that said otherwise. That all of the dinim that we learned are not only when you admit. The key is stealing without an oath, according to Rav Meir. Stealing with an oath. The moment I swear, God forbid, and the swear is denying a monetary obligation, even if I'm not Maidav, Adam come, I gotta pay Keren, Chaymish, and Asham. So, in the violent of is standing. But now we're gonna refute him. If the din is like this, when two witnesses when uh, two witnesses say that Reuven owes money to Shimon and two other witnesses they refute that testimony he does not owe they cancel each other out what happens if I admit that I owe money even if Adam say that I don't they will not cancel me out is even more than Meya Adam 
I have to do what I said. I'm claiming that I owe, I have to pay up. This is the din of Edom Zaymimim. If two witnesses say, let's speak about money, that Reuven owes money to Shimon, but they give details because Shimon in that day, in that place, lent money to Reuven. If two other witnesses come and they say regarding the first set of witnesses, you were not there to see whether Shimon lent money to Reuven or not, then the trader believes the second group and the first group in certain circumstances get punished. Whatever they were going to cause to happen happens to them. None of that is, none of that is relevant if I, admit, if I admit that I owe you money. And Bazin asks me, why? So I say, that Sunday in that place at that time, you lent me, I owe you. I can have a thousand Adam telling Bazin that I was in a different location. It doesn't make a difference. I still owe the money. So there is a certain stringency that we have by Hirdas Piv that we don't have by Adam. So we're refuting the Kabul Chaymer. So therefore, the Gemara says, let me tell you the Kabul Chaymer. The Kabul Chaymer is not saying that Adam are greater than Hirdas Piv. If one witness says, if one witness says Reuven owes money to Shimon, we never might see Maman based on one witness. These are the principles. However, but if one witness is substantiating a claim against me, I'm claiming I don't owe. You're claiming I do owe. One witness says I owe, I have to swear. So one aid. You know, the $50 that they say I owe, I have to pay, is That's the Kabbal Chaymer. To which the Gemara says, no. Think about it. When one aide says that I owe money, and I'm denying it, what am I swearing upon? I'm swearing regarding the money that I'm denying, but I'm swearing upon the money that the aid is saying that I owe. My shvua is directly refuting the testimony. In the case of Rabkhiya, I'm saying I owe nothing. To aid them say that I owe 50. That 50 I have to pay. So what am I swearing on? The other 50. Regarding the other 50, there's no witnesses at all. You can't compare one case to the other. I'm denying that which the aid says that I owe. I am not swearing regarding what the Edom are talking about. What the Edom say I owe, I have to pay. I am swearing regarding the second 50. It's not compared at all. So therefore, There's a concept called Gilgul Shvua, which means that whenever Reuven and Shimon are having a dispute in Beisden, and, when, and in the scenarios where the Uven's claim against Shimon will not demand Shimon to make an oath. If there'll be in one area a place where Shimon has to take an oath to the Uven, so then the din is that the Uven tells Bez that now that Shimon anyways has to swear, he should already swear regarding all of my other claims. So let's speak about the case of Eid Dechot. What, what was the whole question against the Kalvachimer? The question is, is that this person is swearing by the Eid Dechot directly fighting what the Eid is saying. In the case of Rabchia, the Shvua is being demanded for him to make on, an, on, on a demand that's not substanti substantiated by Eidim. But Rav Papa says, in the case of Gilgul Shvua, in a case of Gilgul Shvua, 
he begins swearing on that which there is aid against him. But he might end up having to swear on other claims for which there is no aid against him. So, so therefore you have a Kabbalah Just like an aid Echad could bring through a Gilgul Shvur. Can make a person swear even though one aid can never extract money. So Kabbalah Chaymer to aid him that can extract money, they can make me take an oath. The Gemara is not happy with that. Because Mali Gilgul Shvur, the aid Echad, she can Shvur, Gerere Shvur. The Shvur begins with an obligation for me to swear against the claim of the aid. It begins with that. Yes, it can be malgalgal, it can roll into other things as well. But it begins from me needing to refute that which the aid is saying through an oath. But in the case of Rabchir, the Mamein Komachayv, their testimony is not allowing me to make a shvur. Their testimony is that what? That I have to pay money. That money I have to pay. What is the oath of Rabchir? That I don't owe the other 50 has nothing to do with the case of Eid Echad. So Vaita, we're back to the question, what is the Kavuch that Rabbi uses to back up his din, that even by a Kaifer Hako, when you have Edim that say, I owe Mixas, I do have to make the Shvua Maidim and Mixas. We'll leave the question open, and Amir Hashem to be continued in a few hours.